This week on the podcast, I am the law, you are the law, we are all the law. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson, three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me to watch a movie that they've seen and I haven't. That's right, this week we're doing another one of those episodes where it's a movie I haven't seen. It's Brian Hasn't Seen Dread. Uh, Dread is the 2012 version of uh, the Judge Dread story with Carl Urban in the lead. Uh, I came out uh, in the wake of the Avengers and it, uh, it, it... it kind of flew under the radar, and it's one of those ones that, like, I never saw, but everyone I know was like, no, dude, actually, Dread is good. You, you should watch it. So I watched it, and we're going to talk about it, and if you want to go straight to that, go check the show notes for the timestamps, and you can uh, skip to that, or if you do, you're going to miss out on the fresh shit where we talk about Star Trek Picard and Renfield and, and some other cool stuff, so... Uh, yeah, you know the drill. It's the Magnus and the Huge podcast. Uh, we always want to grow the show, so please subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends on your social media feeds. And if you want to hear all of our old episodes, you can find them on our website, which is maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. And that's also where you go to find links to all of our social feeds and our email, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. All right, everybody, put on your helmets. This is the way to... But another show. And welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast, the first old guys talking about movies podcast. I'm Eric. Hi, Eric. I'm Brian. Hey, this is Chris. Let's talk about Dread, baby. Let's talk about Mega City One. (laughs) Now everybody want to talk about Dread. (laughs) Talk about. Oh, boy. Judge Dread now. Talk about. Judge Dredd, yeah, okay. Oh, I, I, you, <laughs> Judge, wow, Judge, did you Judge miss the Dredd. reference, Chris? Judge, Judge. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just a, a jumble. It's, it's not like uh, one I'm, ref or the next. It's just, it's, it's a sandwich. It's a melange. I'm it's dreading a, this already. Yeah. There's uh, a Megadeth but, song in there somewhere, I'm sure, because Megadeth was all about Judge Dredd. Uh, well, we could talk about it, because Anthrax has a big one. Etc. Etc. Anyway. Oh, is that them? Okay. I knew yeah. it was one of those dopey metal bands. How is everybody this fine day? Oh, I'm here. Great. How about you? Amazing. I'm present. Uh, yeah, still alive. So yeah. interpret as you will. Yeah. I was so, thinking uh, about Julia Roberts this morning and how weird it is we consider her sort of the grand dam of film these days. But after Pretty Woman, she could not make a good movie to save her life. Nobody remembers that. It's like there's a long span of time between Pretty Woman and My Best Friend's Wedding when her career kind of really started. So you don't count uh, Mystic Pizza? Or that was before Pretty Woman, I guess. Yeah, that was no, it's, yeah, it's that was Aaron not Brockovich Star. That, that yeah. jumps to mind, but yeah. 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 But like My Best Friend's Wedding was like hugely popular, and after that she did films people actually wanted to see. Uh, I'm just always, uh, I don't know why it takes me by surprise when I 
remember that Eric Roberts is her brother. I don't know why yeah. that always makes me laugh because it's like they're they just seem like polar opposites. Because <laughs> it's like he got her yeah. doing that that pretty woman laugh, and you got him going, "They took my tubs, Charlie. They took my tubs." Hey, yeah, hey. Yeah. A peculiar mix of uh, very intense and fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just like I'm, Julia Roberts. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where this is coming from. Is this in any way related to someone's fresh shit? No, that was simply what I was thinking about today. I, usually uh, we okay. do a simply well, thinking about that involves, you know, that orange guy who used to well, rule the nation. Only you so. do that, Eric. But yeah, no. we'll, we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. So yeah. you've you've been having anyway. wet, wet dreams about Julia Roberts uh, and my best friend's <laughs> wedding. Okay. No. Good to know. <laughs> no, I'm so, just amazed yeah. that so many people are into her when like she did horrible movies like like Doctor Jekyll's uh, 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 Maid, whatever that was called, and oh, D- yeah, yeah, Dying yeah. Young. And like, there's just all these fucking <laughs> bad <laughs> movies. <laughs> oh my god, I always forget about that one. Oh yeah, Lord, good. It's Lord. like who, who, why, what? Flatliners, flatliners. So she could appear in a movie with her boyfriend. Yeah. Who hilariously enough was Kiefer Sutherland. That alone is funny. Oh well, don't forget uh, her turn. Here, is- here I was thinking I had this beautiful clean transition into a segment where we talk about movies. And yeah. stuff. I mean, we're you were going to take a clean, wipeless, fresh shit, and we're, we yeah. came along and just smeared yeah. it all over our buttocks. <laughs> I mean, technically, we are talking about movies, but you know. Anyway, yeah. should we talk about actual I'll, stuff I'll just we've been gonna watching? Sit back here and watch the watch the podcast burn. <laughs> I mean, why not? Okay. It's every week, just that way. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, fr- fresh, fresh shit. This shit is fresh! Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh! Chris, go. The new, the new fresh shit. Uh, <laughs> so, I did finish uh, season three of The Mandalorian. I'd spoken about this before, but it's now Ooh, in yes. the can. It's done. Uh, highly satisfying finale. Really? Uh, was very entertaining. I've heard nothing but bad I, things. I know, season. and then apparently everybody else hates it. I'm like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, it has a little bit of a Return of the Jedi vibe. Uh, it's definitely, you know, like rocket pack fights, uh, Iron Manny <laughs> uh, at, at the big climax because it's basically all the Mandalorians fighting like rocket pack troopers on the secret base or whatever. Uh, but I found it highly satisfying. It was very rewarding. And I then I heard about all of the online hate, and I just don't I don't get Star Wars fans at all well, anymore. I'm still midway through the third season of The Mandalorian, yeah. and that it is not highly satisfying yet. <laughs> it uh, is still meandering where you, I'm at. You got to give it time because they basically uh, are doing like one-off adventure episodes for the most part. Yeah, but loosely yeah. tied to the overall narrative and it's like everybody apparently is pissed off because there's not enough Din Djarin and not enough Grogu and this and that but it's like it's basically they took the Mandalorian which we have known so far about him and now it's about all of the Mandalorian so it's like a plurality and they're d- digging into their culture and like they're taking Mandalore back and the whole thing that's the arc of the end yeah, that, of the series. All, that's all good that, stuff. That's, yeah, that's yeah. All the good. first season was one-off episodes and the first yeah. season was very good. Do, are people actually complaining about one-off episodes? I have no idea where, well, what the hate is or no, where it's the, coming the from. Com- the complaint is that I don't think the complaint is that. I think the complaint is that they've gotten tied up in their continuity 
and they're like, uh, trying to tie it into all of the old like Clone Wars and Rebels cartoon shows that yeah. nobody watched, and it's like. I don't want to have to go back and watch those things to get the references. Now it's just getting, you know, it was better when yeah. it was just isolated in its own little corner of the galaxy. Well, they, uh, also the Grogu arc was kind of done by the end of season two. So bringing yeah. him back feels a little forced. I mean, they, they, they do a reasonable job a to, to kind of force. Oh, rap. I didn't even try to make that joke. But yeah. You yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they do a reasonable job to kind of title in and, uh, push it to whatever season four will be. Uh, but I was, I was, I was satisfied with the, the finale, uh, but apparently I'm in a minority, but it's sort of like the Ms. Mar or like, not the Ms. Marvel, the She-Hulk thing with the Marvel shows. Like everybody yeah. apparently hated it, but I thought it was <laughs> the most us. enjoyable yeah. one. It's like, I don't know what you people are complaining about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they just, yeah, they just it's want actually their... different from all the other nonsense. Yeah. Go watch another Marvel thing. Yeah. yeah. I think they yeah. just, they want their fan service just spoon fed to them. It's just like, you know. Fuck off. Yeah. That's what I have to say. Anyway. I, I think, yeah, that's, that's, it's funny. We have the people making these movies are, are working, are trying to grab a double-edged sword that it's like, okay, there's all this stuff already in place for you. A Star Wars fan base, a, you know, a billion comic books, all that, but you're going to be a, a slave to continuity. You can't yeah. create anything new. Yeah. So it's Star Trek yeah. really is only brilliant because there's, you know, it started with three seasons of stuff nobody ever heard of. Oh, which no continuity me, to attach to it. Which reminds me, this is the other thing, because I read this story and it made me instantly think of you guys and I wanted to wait and ask you about it in person. But apparently, uh, Strange New Worlds, is that the one, the new one? Yes. Uh, they, they fixed the Klingon continuity bullshit that they skewed it. With Again, disco with discovery, <laughs> like they brought it back to the actual like, uh, like Worf era type Klingon yeah. look and feel and vibe instead of whatever they did with discovery. I, I was reading through. Yeah. I'm like, I have no context for this because I didn't watch the show, but I've heard you guys bitch about it so much. And then I'm like, that's what they did to the Klingons in discovery. Like, holy shit! It's yeah. like if I was a Star Trek fan, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> It's so, and it's the yeah. second time they've had to do this because they made the, you know, with Next Generation, they gave them a whole look. And yeah. then in Enterprise, they had to explain that transition to the way they look in the original series. Yeah. So yeah. they've gone and retconned or it's re not really re retconned, retconned oh. but ret explained. Yeah. I don't know. Let, but let's not forget the utter not Klingon Klingons that J.J. Abrams forced us to deal with for a couple of yeah, movies there. Too. I think we're like, all forgetting that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, like, yeah. it's kind of like, <laughs> thank you for putting it in its own timeline so we could just eject it. But yeah. So that having been said, I'm not sure why, you know, the, the whole thing happening with Jim Kirk's father would cause the, the Klingons to look like piles of throw up. I don't yeah, know. I have no idea, but basically they've gone back to, you know, uh, honor and battle and they're not just like super aggro shit birds that uh you know run around like a biker gang and whatever they yeah. did i mean it's and they cleaned up the look so it goes back to the classic and they did bring up the articles like I, well we understand in the original series like klingons they just couldn't do all that makeup and stuff so we'll give that a pass uh, but then when you get into the movies and such that's when sort of the classic version of the klingon starts to take shape etc stupid so. So yeah. stupid. I, I, in Discovery, in the first, like, in the second episode of Discovery, a, a Klingon ship is cloaked and rams into a Starfleet ship and cuts it in half because the Klingon thing is this great, big, huge, enormous ship with a blade, right? I'm like, wait a minute. 
So, like in the future Klingons, they 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 scale down to these little things. We're yeah. capable of blowing up. That yeah. doesn't make no sense. No, it just it, I I read it. Just it was an article that just randomly showed up uh, on my feed somewhere, and so I looked. Like, I gave yeah. it a whirl, and I just thought it was funny. But I wanted to get your two cents on that because it's it seems like it's a a kerfuffle in fandom, but I'm not actually part uh. of it. So. That yeah. that whole show is an apology for Discovery. Strange New Worlds <laughs> is their way of saying, okay, we fucked up. It totally is. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. And then there's Picard, it's, which we won't go yeah. into. Oh, well, actually, that's mine whenever you're done. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it, because, yeah, I don't okay, want to so waste your time anymore. Final, yeah, final episode of Picard this week, of, of the season of the it. series. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm going to say it's pretty good. It's not... Ah! you know it's 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 not oh they're back oh they should have made another seat no no it's just not as deplorable as uh <laughs> you know the kurtzman universe was you know is <laughs> I mean, or um, the previous two seasons of Picard. <laughs> yes that's that's part of the the kurtzman universe nice. uh, okay. yeah he, jesus christ this guy yeah he uh alex kurtzman has the the rights to the Star Trek stuff on CBS slash Paramount for TV, and they can't get rid of him. And he made these, you know, Discovery so horrible they finally canceled it. Uh, Picard only got three seasons, and that third season he didn't do. Somebody else was the showrunner. They kind of like kicked him off. And now there's all these Star Trek shows that are pretty good because he is nothing more than a name on the credits. So nice. Maybe there's a shot, but I think it's funny that it's it, Picard parallels Mandalorian in, in that it had two rotten seasons, and then the, the third one everybody loves, and just the opposite, you know. Well, Mandalorian. Yeah. So I started watching Picard uh, this week, and I'm about three episodes in. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's actually not bad, but I remember where you were, you know, at about the point where you had watched the first few episodes and you're like, Lucy in the football, you're like, I, maybe, yes. maybe they won't <laughs> screw me this time. Maybe, yes. you know, but, uh, um, so I've, I'm still kind of there, but I, yeah. have, I have heard a number of people say that the, that they, they ended well. So I'm, yeah, I was blown away by the third episode. It's, uh, the third episode's pretty, uh, you know, intense, you know, character interaction episode, and then it ends with this, with this move where Riker is, is basically, um, shutting down Picard pretty hard, and then... Cut Riker is pretty written, awesome in this season. Yeah, written by Jonathan Frakes. As soon as he wah, delivers wah, his wah. like stinger <laughs> line against Patrick Stewart, written by Jonathan Frakes, I'm like, okay. <laughs> See, this is where I tune out. But I just you said the the Charlie Brown football thing, and it just makes it like uh, an image of Deanna Troy in the little five cent psychology box, you know, <laughs> like with the crew <laughs> talking to to number one or whoever. So, yeah, that's my connection. The, I um I can't remember the actor's name. The the one thing that uh, well I know oh I can't say that because it's a spoiler. Okay, never mind. Yeah, Picard season three. Uh, yeah, very entertaining. Sorry. and does not have okay. The the the, big, the other big problem with Discovery is that every single episode somebody has a uh, a two minute long teary eyed speech 
you know, that is utterly unearned and and makes you just 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 want to kill yourself. It's just so poorly written. This doesn't have any of that. That's all I ask for anymore. Is just stop speeching. You know, <laughs> quit this. Quit with the speeching already. You're going to yeah. speech. Make it intense and angry. And the the captain of uh, the Titan is is so freaking awesome. The actor I cannot remember his name, but he was Dale oh, on the Riches. Yeah, so fucking good. Really, he's he's great because he's like he's like over it. This guy, you know, and he's trying to do things well, and he he recognizes that he's just getting like steamrolled yeah. by the legacy cast and he's like this is dumb and i'm in charge and stop it you know yeah yeah and at one point like like eventually in the show his attitude t- turns to oh fuck it i it is so funny it's like it's your fucking problem you fucking solve it uh yeah, that was that's the episode i just watched where he's like i'm relinquishing command you you fix it yeah 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 he's so good i i just want a whole show of just him because he's actually a good starfleet captain for once because he's doing you know stuff by the book, and uh-huh. that's why he's getting steamrolled. But yeah, but he's not played as a hapless, you know, no. like suit. He's 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 actually a pretty badass captain in his own right. But yeah, yeah, he's just dealing with an unmanageable situation. And he's like, "Y'all are y'all suck." Like, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask for this shit. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to not watching it. Uh yeah, we know. Uh, anyway, it's pretty good. All right, any other fresh shit, Eric? Uh, I watched. Uh, uh, no, yeah, no, wait, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. I gotta save that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. All right, I can. I can go. Yeah, hit us. All right, so I went to the theaters and I saw a movie in the theater. Really? <laughs> and I saw. Nicholas Cage and Nicholas Holt in Renfield. Yeah, and have you heard about this one yet? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, totally. The trailer, the trailer looks fun, but at the same yeah, time, it also looks like it. yeah, yeah. It's it's basically <laughs> Holt's movie, right? Because Nick Cage is a sort of a secondary character as Dracula, correct? He's in it more than in the trailer lets on. The trailer, the trailer makes it feel like they keep Nicholas Cage a secret for much longer than they do. They don't keep him a secret at all. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, Renfield is the story of Dracula's familiar, uh, who is played by Nicholas Holt yeah. and his realization that he's in a toxic relationship with Dracula, who's a narcissist <laughs> and, you know, it's all about him and, and yeah, it, it is exactly that movie, right? Like it, it's, um, what's really what it's cheeky, but at the very beginning they do like a flashback of how it all began. And it's shot sets and lighting and shot for shot like the Bela Lugosi Dracula movie. Right. So, like, they've got Nicolas Cage standing there with the lighting on his eyes just like, just like he's, he's Bela Lugosi. So, like, that, that's just a fun little throwaway thing, but, but it is a good tone setter. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, Renfield is, is trying to... Uh, He's trying to um, meet the letter of his agreement by feeding Dracula <laughs> the scum of the earth, and Dracula isn't having it because he won't reach full power unless he gets the innocent. He wants nuns and 
children and stuff, and Renfield doesn't want to do that anymore. And it's it's about how their relationship pans out and 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 how Renfield learns to stand up for himself. Yay. Or does he? Uh, um, yeah. No, it's, it's so weird because this is not their first movie together either. Because they did, uh, I think it was The Weatherman in like the mid aughts where Cage was his father and Nicholas Holt played his son or some shit. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's like okay. so. That, that forgettable movie. Yeah. I remember that. So I'm wondering if that dynamic plays into the Renfield relationship. I mean. It's not a father son thing. It's very much a master servant thing in this. Dun dun this bum, bum bum Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then Aquafina is our is our other lead in this, who plays a cop, is, who is has motivations that get tangled up in all of this. Is she? Uh, and, is she canceled yet? Just asking. Is she supposed to be canceled? Because she's awesome. She's I, she's still. She's playing the same character she plays in everything, yeah. which is Aquafina. Yeah, yeah. The problem they have with her is that basically she's doing a uh, a black voice for her character that isn't actually her voice. It's almost like she's doing a character, yeah, or something. I don't remember. I mean, I don't how remember. many different movies and TV series and stuff does she have to do basically that before she's just like, "This is how I talk, dude." I mean, like, I don't know. That's the problem. She doesn't talk that way. Oh, okay. Well, that's what, <laughs> that's her shtick. Anyway, I don't know. I find her really entertaining, so I hope that that's. I um, I thought she's one of the best parts of uh you know the the ten rings of Shushu Fufu oh, yeah. or whatever that was. Well, yeah, yeah. Or he's great in Shang-Chi. Yeah, or uh, Ocean's Eight. I mean, that's like some heavy hitting actresses at the top of the bill, and she's just one of the crew. Was that you? Who are you? The one who saw Ocean's Eight? Yeah, in in America. Yeah. Oh wow! I saw it. Yeah. Oh wow! Both of yeah, you. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, so there you go. Okay. Anyway. The one in America. <laughs> I mean, it's... Um, so Renfield, yeah. do you need to go to the movie theaters to no. see it? No. Wait for it to hit streaming, yes. but watch it. I just think it's funny um, that, I, that it's Cage playing Dracula, and if you've ever seen Vampire's Kiss, it's like, how could you top that vampire role? I mean, it's just... I just don't see there... Oh, I just have a Manist European accent. I guess. It's just... It just seems like a law of diminished returns at that stage. No, no, he's great. He's he's so fun. Okay. He's he's hamming it up and and just giving no fucks at okay. all. Uh, yeah, he's it's it's all fun. Right. Okay. It's fun. Okay. Good. Good. And <laughs> any anyway, other theatrical uh, just, pleasures that you've enjoyed this week? Not this okay. week, I don't think. But should, should well, we? Uh, Get on with the show. I mean, if you got nothing else, you- let's get on with the dread. So then, the real, the next real question is: since this is all about you, Brian, what did you think of? Dread? I bet you he hated it. Okay. I bet you he hated it. So, no way he no, hated it. No, no, no. Okay, it. no so, way. So, <laughs> so, dread, dread is a 2012. Not this is not the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dread which, film. Okay, this is yeah, 2012. Which we don't speak of yeah. Dread, starring. Carl Urban's chin and <laughs> and scowl. Uh, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones as your bad guy. Yeah. Mama. This is a tight 90 minute straight up 90s style action movie. Oh, yeah. All killer, no filler. They they keep their budget under control. They keep their ambition under control. They do what they came to do, and that's it. Right? There's like, no character development because there doesn't need to no. be. Right. This is 
it's, this is basically it starts with literally the '90s red font. Yeah, you know. Well, you got to realize that <laughs> it's based on Judge Dredd, which has been around since like 1977 in the 2000 AD comics, and literally this is the most pure distillation of that that you could possibly get in film format. Like the, the, yeah. the Judge Dredd from '95 with Stallone—that's a travesty. But this one, it's like they went back to basics and they just did it. Boom! This is the strip. And all the people that are fans love it, and I and I honestly yeah. I appreciate why because it's it's a very tight, like you said, uh, ninety minutes and a very a very quick description. This is uh, Judge Dredd and his trainee that he has to sign off on if she's going to become a judge are sent on an assignment to get some drug dealer murderers in in, in the mega tower, you know, the huge building people live in now in. In, in this Mega. post-apocalyptic nightmare world on the in the last city left on Earth, yeah, which and <clears throat> everything from there just happens in this huge building yeah. of everyone trying to yeah. kill them because it's yeah and them killing the bad yeah. guys because yeah. basically that's it's set in the fu- like the twenty one hundred forty or whatever like in the future and the world is destroyed by nuclear war or in environmental ravages or whatever so basically Mega City One stretches from like New York down to like atlanta or some shit i mean it's literally just that there's like 800 million people in this thing and they've built these giant tower blocks that hold like uh people or something they're literally like cities that are like 200 stories tall and that's what they shove them into yeah <laughs> so it's just it just lock them in the cage and let them fight them out i mean that's that's yeah. literally the story and the drug dealer puts the whole building on lockdown so nobody can get in yeah. or out because they're trying to protect the the <laughs> Because you're bad guys, secrets, yeah, of, yeah. yeah, of their of their criminal yeah. enterprise, and it allows the movie to be set in a single closed set, yeah, for budgetary <laughs> um, reasons. So which is, it's a good movie. So the whole, it's yeah, really the whole thing is efficient. yeah. It's it's like I don't know. This movie is like a cake filled with frosting. It's so wonderful. Yeah. It's like every moment is just it's 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 sort of like all of the tactical things you would want to see happen in a in a shootout, right? All of the ideas. Why don't they just do this? Well, they do it. And you get to see not just them do the thing where they just shoot up the entire fucking floor of the building, yeah. but what the reaction is, what the the workaround is. Well, oh, I love it. The, the, the bad guy even does like a dead man switch kind of, you're not going to kill me because if you do, and they fucking kill her. It's it's so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there there is one there is one why didn't they do the thing bit where at one point one of our heroes is is captured and the the drug dealer gives pretty clear instructions, don't dick around, just shoot them a whole bunch of times in the head and then they don't. Yeah. Which I mean I mean bad bad henchmen, but other than that, other yeah. than that, pretty tight script, pretty straightforward. Here's the thing that I really want to call out though in the production design, the cinematography, the visual design of this movie that I really appreciate. Um, I am so sick of the seven aesthetic. The yeah, yeah. The everything yeah. is yes. just covered in shit right, right, right. and oil and Nine Inch Nails video looking crap. <laughs> this, this is gritty without being seven. There are actual vibrant colors in oh, this yeah, movie yeah. and yeah. still has a sense of being run down and oppressive and um a really nice touch to, i thought with this yeah. is that 
everything in this world revolves around the drug slow-mo. And it's this drug you take and everything slows down and the colors get oversaturated and everything is just super dreamlike. And Mm -hmm. one, what a great opportunity to change your your film's palette for, you know, a few seconds where everything is just so intensely wild looking, but there's a reason for it. Yeah. And two, what a great, what a great idea. Make drugs something people would want to do. As you watch it, you're not just watching some guy curled up in a gutter going, why would anybody ever do that? No, people do drugs Mm -hmm. for a reason. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. they actually show you in this why. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was actually in my notes. And this is, you know, this is a post Matrix movie by quite a bit. You know, it's over 10 years since the Matrix. But so many movies just do slow-mo and speed ramping because they want to, not because it's justified. This has an actual in-movie reason for doing these slow-mo shots and and the extra saturation and all that. And yes, it does set up an amazing scene where a bunch of characters are on the drug and the judges come in and start shooting them in the oh, face, yeah. and you get to watch the and, and I, <laughs> the exit that's their skin yeah. waves in the air, like, you know, as as ripples are going through them. Yeah. And well, they yeah, it's, they it's, set that up. That's a great in the scene. opening where Dread is like chasing a bunch of uh, thieves in a van, and they're one of them's taking slow mo, and that's like your introduction to it. But it's a really brief sort of this is what's coming, and then you get to that scene in the drug den. And it's just like, you know, a couple minutes of just absolute mayhem, but it's in slow motion. Like you see bullets just like ripping through faces and like the compression grenade that opens the door, like the the blow back from the, the impact, like mm-hmm. ripples like skin, but it's like whoop, 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 whoop in slow motion. And it's just, it's, I imagine... I imagine like a meeting with the director and the cinematographer where the director was explaining the scene. And, and when we shoot this day, we're going to try and achieve this. And the cinematographer going, oh, fuck, yeah. You yeah. know, like I get to, <laughs> well, I get to slow everything down and show every minute particle oh, yeah. of that, that, you know, and the fact wall that, being blasted apart yeah. into a person. And the fact that they did it that way, it almost uh, negates the extreme violence to a degree. Because it's so stylized, and I just I love that fact. Because Judge Dredd is just a comic; is the most violent, like in your face, uh, thing, and they translated it well. But the way that they set up the the shots and that whole sequence, I'm like, when I the first time I watched it in the theater, I didn't watch the 3D version, but I just watched the regular. But it was on the big screen, and one of my earliest thoughts of this thing was, this is one of the most pure, perfect comic book movies. I think we will ever see because of the way they set it out. You can actually just in your mind's eye, see this panel goes to this panel to this panel as the sequence plays forth. And it's, it was just astonishing. So this, this movie today hmm. remains one of my top five comic book movies like ever because they just did it so well on so many levels. It's amazing. Uh, That's funny. Cause when I watched it, I, I completely forgot that it was a comic book. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, it, to me, it's like, I was so, I was so on board with their universe. I forgot this w- this had source material. Either. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you got to I mean, yeah, I didn't I didn't get any sort of referency thing and I didn't get like the, you know, the way that like the Umbrella Academy reads like, okay, graphic novel is is the storyboard, right? That isn't really how Dread is shot from my perspective. I don't I don't know the comics. Maybe it is. Maybe it's framed exactly like Dread is drawn, but eh, um eh. I don't know. I mean, it it does stand on its own. It 
it feels more like the pilot episode of a TV series yeah. than a movie, <laughs> well, right? In 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 the oh, kind yeah. of restraint they're showing. Well, you like, got this is a they clearly had a, a a a vision and a budget, and they used the budget to influence the vision and and maximize. Well, it. you gotta you gotta figure that uh, they were really spending. The, I mean, the the people that made this obviously are fans of Judge Dredd, and it shows. Mm-hmm. Unlike the travesty of '95 with Stallone, which is just a train wreck from start to finish, but this one they took care, they did it right, and people still didn't go. I think it might maybe because Judge Dredd is just too niche. Like half the people I talk to, I just think don't. It still had the stink of that. It still had the stink of that Stallone movie. I mean, yeah. I have not read or heard one thing about this film that didn't at some point mention the Stallone right, right. one apologetically. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's like mm-hmm. people were still like, oh, that pile of yeah. shit? No, thank yeah. you. And so I think for whatever reason, it hurt this movie's chances and it just did not do well. And that killed whatever universe building they could have done. Because like, could you imagine mm-hmm. like at least three or four of these things with Carl Urban like just kicking ass and like expanding the scope from movie to movie to movie until like they're doing the Cursed Earth storyline yeah. or some shit? I mean, that would have been just amazing. Yeah. I mean... They basically that's that's what happened with John Wick. They started right, right. small and they kept building yeah, yeah. it up, right? So there's two hints with with dread that that's kind of what they were thinking is one this whole ep- this whole film is nothing more than like uh, a day on the job for him. Right. There's nothing special about this to him. His armor is all fucked up like this. You know this thing that he's in mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, he did it yesterday too. Yeah, it's it's like just there is a a world that exists where you can have all sorts of stories with him showing up and dreading on shit yeah and the second is when they're interviewing the partner and she is showing her psychic abilities and she's like there's someone on you know the other side of the in the next room he's he's a judge and he's got a secret and they stop her like oh no 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 hey hey okay that's good enough yeah it's like she senses judge dread in the next room and senses there is something more going on that we never go to because it's just a seed for a future film. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they were planning on doing that. Well, I mean, they've got so much source material yeah. that they could they could just do it. And then and then like they keep re- repurposing the same storyline where Carl Urban is like in talks to do the next one. They're going to try again, and then just falls apart. And so it's just like this constant tease. But as as far as casting goes he is just pitch perfect because he just he basically committed he said going in like they don't ever show his face in the comic and you're not going to see my face that helmet's not coming off yeah he's the mandalorian he doesn't take his i'm gonna scowl my way through this the mandalorian totally takes his helmet off. yeah yeah. Yeah, i know (laughs) uh so it's just it's just fun to watch and he committed so much to the point where he was like that for the entire shoot and like like would not break a smile at some point there's a, a story about like some sort of uh like grip or somebody while they were not filming just in the middle of a setup or something made a joke and everybody laughed and carl urban just looked at him with that judge dread look like don't fuck around and the kid like apologized to him on the set <laughs> <laughs> that's to the degree that he was committed <laughs> so. and, and this is carl urban doing a western accent he is he you know billy butcher is, mm-hmm. you know who's carl urban is but in this, he's he's doing an American accent, and and it's gruff, and you yeah. know he's Clint Eastwood. I mean, give Carl Urban props because he's more of a character actor, right? Like every time you see him, 
he he looks uh, different. He blends into right, his right. character. He maybe has a different voice or affect. Um, he's I a, I remember he's a serious when actor. the okay. I'm doing a Star Trek again. I'm sorry, but when the Star Trek yeah. movie came out, everyone was talking about how like really great the uh, Spock. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. How how, how well uh, he, he that guy did, Zachary Quinto did Spock. Everyone's like, oh boy, that Spock it's so dead no, on. No, 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 no. no. Urban's Doctor McCoy was just underrated genius. <laughs> yeah, he had that voice, small. he had that mannerism, <laughs> and he had twice as much panic. Yeah, which is the thing people forget. Doctor McCoy didn't want none of this shit. Yeah, no, he's he's very good. But I think it's just this one's helped incredibly by the script, which is. Alex Garland, who did 28 Days Later. Uh, he wrote the novel for The Beach. Uh, he went on to do Ex Machina and et cetera, et cetera. So he, he has an economy of writing that fits this particular character so well. But what I love about it is mm. that, Brian, you spoke of like it, it seeming like different elements coming in. And if you read the comic, like each creator that worked on Dread had sort of a different take on it. The artists drew them a little differently. Some of them did them more funny. Some of them did them more serious. And so when Alex Garland went into this, he basically said, there was so much to draw from that I thought I could just make this my own imprint, drawing from those sources. So where it, it was basically mm. an homage to all of the stuff that I loved growing up. And he just, he nails it. He gets the flavor of Dread and he just takes it to like 11 because it's like they, they went in just think, well, this might be our one shot, so let's just do it. And it was like pre-Wick. But I'm saying... Yeah. 11. 11. Well, why don't you so just make 10 let's, the highest? Let's talk for a minute about uh, Judge Anderson, who was the rookie, the psychic. Right. Um, so this character is, I think... First of all, they give us an excuse for why she doesn't wear a right. helmet because it messes with her psychic abilities. Right. But so she's she's got a you know a face. Um, she's played by Olivia Thurlby, who I've never heard of before. Um, but she does this really interesting take on this character who has the same kind of like no nonsense, you know, bottom line that the other drudges judges have right. um but she she puts her own spin on it and they use her psychic ability in interesting ways there's there's a scene where she's got um a perp and you know the perp realizes she's psychic and he's like well, what am i thinking about and and you know he's thinking of screwing her like in a very dominant way and 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 she doesn't get phased by it and she turns the tables on him and like takes what he's doing and turns it against him and so she can use her psychic ability offensively in that right. way. I think I think she's an interesting character. I think she was well played. I was a little bothered that she was damseled for a, a hot minute towards the end, but she gets herself out of it. So okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's still the. I, it's actually interesting to think about, like how this film goes against a lot of what we see today. In that we've got an older male uh, uh, teacher. Who's who's schooling a younger female character? That's almost unheard of now. Now it's got to be a woman who schools a man. It's like well, this would be called mansplaining. Well, I mean, now. you got to figure though that based on the character, uh, it's it's acceptable. I mean, this is the whole point of the Judge Dredd character was it, it came about. Oh, 
it's it's totally acceptable. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. My 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 gripe is with uh, society somehow saying you can't have a story. You can't do that anymore. Where there's a yeah. man who's older and um, actually knows some shit and can teach yeah, yeah. it. I think. I think. I think. I think that that worked out fine, and that that's actually what works is like they don't make that relationship anything yeah. other than. Right. I am evaluating you to see whether you're up to snuff to be a judge. And yeah. in the I end, love the bit when they're they're getting ready know, to go do the she, the final the, the final goods. battle and uh and they're heading up there and he just looks at her and says, Are you ready? And she says, Yeah. He's like, You look ready. And then it's like they go right into it and it's just like, you know, five minutes yeah. of just yeah. ass kicking shit. That's a callback. Because yeah. <laughs> at the beginning she doesn't look ready yeah. to him. So and it was yeah. it was good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they uh, see that's I do love this film. I do think, though, that we are uh, there's something wrong with uh, films today where we're not allowed to have somebody learn something. Right. No. Now she would already know all the shit and she would school him. Yeah. She would show him how much. You know. Why? I mean, why? So why can't that you was just actually, learn something? Yeah. That was actually what I thought was was kind of going to happen. So there's wah, this wah. there's this line early on where. She's being evaluated, and he's like, okay, you lose your weapon, automatic fail. This happens to you, automatic fail, whatever. He lists off like three or four things, and I'm like, oh, so he's going to lose his weapon at some point, isn't he? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? no. Um, but they don't go well, there. I like that so, they... You know, it's yeah. just people doing I like that shit. they were able to... But, but I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, no, my, my, my one thing, though, is that it's not just he's evaluating her. She goes into the, the story lacking specific skills, all of which she picks up from him. So she actually learns something from yeah. it. It's like, it's not a competition. It's not dominance. It's just, uh, I don't know, someone wiser passing on yeah. information. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's the part that's verboten now. And it's really irritating. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, to a certain <laughs> degree, there's almost like that element of like, uh, uh, silence of the lambs. Like she's like the Jodie Foster character who's sort of learning on the job how to handle all the ugliness and overcome that. I mean, that's sort of the vibe that I get. It has that sort of edge to it. Um, yeah, she's further down that learning curve <laughs> yeah, yeah. though than Jodie Foster uh, is. <laughs> but but I love the fact that uh, that she's resourceful. She can handle herself. Uh, that's a good arc. It counteracts the or counterbalances the other part where you get the shorthand for why Dread is such a revered character and such a badass. Because when the the corrupt judges get called in by Mama, the the gang lord, to handle him, and they say the price is a million dollars, and they say, "Are you out of your mind? A million dollars?" Like, do you know who Judge Dread is? They say, "No." He's like, "Well, we do. The price is a million dollars." I mean, it's like it's just they get right to it. It's like <laughs> if we're gonna do this, it's gonna be worthwhile. And then Dread just totally eliminates all of them with ease. I mean, well, not ease. It gets the shit kicked out of him, but you know that's the way of it. And that's very, very wicky before John Wick uh, happened. Mm -hmm. And so you can sort of see the. The reverse genesis, like when you see all these other big things like John Wick or whatever, you can kind of see where they're drawing from. And I, I always see a bunch of Judge Dredd and the John Wick character. It's just, it's just yeah. there. You know yeah. what I mean? There's it's also, also there's like an interesting, subtle lesson to us, the audience, on what this universe is that has judges. Because, you know, it's real easy to look at Judge Dredd and go, oh, that's about fascism. Yeah. 
or that's about, you know, uh, you know, a breakdown in society or that's what we need right now. Right. No, it's this guy who's like, I don't know about any of that. I just know this is my job and this is how I become not dead every yeah. time I do it. And so his, his protege has this, the basic skills, right? I mean, they don't just send her in raw. She's ready to get this job. Maybe right, right. the thing he imparts on her is you can't question it. there is a moral flexibility to what we do good or bad this is what we do yeah and i think yeah it's so interesting that that's the lesson she comes out of it with well so i mean if you want to interrogate that society i mean they say at one point they only respond to six percent of the crimes right yeah. these judges doing all this stuff are like effectively a non-factor they're 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 really more of a gang if you think about this larger megacity society. If they're only interacting with 6% of the shit that's going on, like, they're a footnote. They're an afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> that's not even... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you got that, the opening monologue, you know, the cursed earth and this and that, and then he, he just sort of lays it out. Like, megacity one is just a giant urban shithole, and that's just the way it is, which is why these judges have full authority to <laughs> to try and execute as they see fit on the streets it's just yeah. i mean that's like uber fascist i mean that's the comic is basically doing that as a way to show all the punks reading it it's like well this is fascism judge dread is not supposed to be a hero but he somehow becomes the hero because he's fascist it's this weird like byzantine loop-de-loop mm -hmm. that turns in on itself somehow with this character yeah it's so funny well and it's, so that's uh, the it's, whole death wish yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Very thing yeah. right but the mistake is to think that somehow the uh i don't know the, the the that he is a fascist i don't think is fair they have written a society that is so out of control right. that they decided they needed to create this rule yeah. where a judge can do all these things yeah it's like if they sort of walked that back and said you know what no just cops and judges and jails yeah. and what we have now the the level of crime that exists in <laughs> mega city one is so huge <laughs> yeah there would be no controlling it it's well, kind of i don't know i i know that i know the the you know we're supposed to think judge dread is you know this this sort of horrible reality but it's like no 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 all of us we are the problem we will turn into right. uh you know criminal savages <laughs> that require this well i mean it's like maybe we need to calm the fuck down i mean to a certain degree, I think the the genesis for the Dread character comes, to me, it stems almost directly from Dirty Harry, like you said. I mean, it's literally just yeah. a mm -hmm. cop just doing his job, no bullshit. I mean, yeah, does he come off to semi-fascist occasionally? Of course. But, fuck it. Like, you, like, if you watch the first Dirty Harry, it's like him just doing his best to solve the case, get the killer... And then by the end of that movie, he's got his badge and he just chucks it. He's like, I'm fucking done. I mean, that's literally, that's literally like this, the end of Dirty Harry. And that carries over to this judge character. I mean, he's just like, he's so, yeah. he's so like in your face. I'm just going to do this job because fuck it. Nope. You know, I need I'm, law and order. I'm, I'm sorry, but to, I'm going to be that guy 40 years on from this stuff, right? When we're, we're sort of like, you know, the system doesn't work and, and we need to just empower you know, guys that are that have the balls to do something about this bullshit and take out the trash, right? And that's Batman, and that's right, Dirty Harry, right. and it's Death yeah. Wish, and it's uh, it's like a lot of, frankly, it's a lot of video games from a long time right. back. 
it's you know it's this male it's this male power fantasy of this yeah. ass kicking dude who can just like do what the system can't and we're taking that to a point now where it's like there's an awful lot of those guys doing some shit in the real world that like you know the movie falling down becomes relevant in in this yeah. right it's the i'm the yeah. bad guy uh, thing bit. i mean this this That's, appeals to yeah. that audience and it has to be like put into a context Right, you know right. What I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think the big problem with all those, and and I mean, I think we're pretty much, you know, talking school shooters. All these people who have an irrational sense of need to show dominance and power with a gun, who look at stuff like this and go, "Yeah, I want to be like that." You know, I want to have that level of, I don't know, respect. It's like, yeah, but there's nothing facing you that requires. This. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the lack of context. Judge Dredd exists in a world of overwhelming horror in a world we don't yeah mm. <laughs> i mean it works it's like gotham city is so different from portland you know that yeah. you can't have uh, <laughs> a batman running around portland doing what batman does where you don't go what the fuck is his problem yeah so so generally overall so you you had never seen this before brian so this was your first go did it shatter your expectations did it meet your expectations how like going in what was your your deal with this i mean i what the problem of course is that you know 12 years on the the general consensus is dread is good right, right? so my expectations are set okay. there and i think it meets those expectations i didn't go in with low expectations and get floored I went in with, it's going to be good. And I saw that it was 90 minutes and I'm like, oh, thank God. It's not going to be a bunch of bloated <laughs> yeah, nonsense. Right? Yeah. And it's not part of some cinematic universe where it has to do a bunch of lore and world right, right. building. It's, and it does world building. It's just a movie that does that it very well. Wants to get in there, do its thing yeah, and yeah. get out. And I respect <laughs> the hell out of that. It feels like a throwback right? in that sense. I think it, it's, you know, on a, on a, whatever on a five star scale it isn't a five star is it a four star i don't know it's like a three and a half like a solid solid b i mean right? well like, you gotta figure too that it like it, it came good. in uh <laughs> right at the end of like marvel phase one when people were starting to like be very enthused and warm to the idea of comic book movies again uh as an entertainment thing but this is like this isn't Marvel. I mean, this is 2000 AD, so this just comes in left of center, and I think it just it it confused a certain chunk of the populace. Is probably why it didn't do as well. But I think, yeah, I guess I guess from my perspective, the the reason to to shout it from the rooftops is because it's this. Could we just have more movies right. like this? Can I have a 90 minute movie that <laughs> exactly. doesn't have that's had all the fat cut off of it, and nobody cares if there's another one? Just make a good yeah. movie. Don't waste it's my time. So well done. Get it done now. Like, <laughs> now, make now when you that. bring this up too, because the other thing is, uh, well, too. Here's here's one story. I mentioned that I rewatched this uh, to some colleagues at work. They're all much younger than us. None of them heard of had heard uh -huh. of this movie or this character, and I was appalled. I'm like, you people are like yeah. 30 years old. You should know this sort of uh, culture stuff. You know what I mean? It's like if you have. It's not like this is a movie from our youth. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's just if you have any nerd respect, you should know Judge Dredd. Uh, but then going in, like, and then talking to other friends who have seen it, I mean, the general idea is that yeah, this is a really good movie. It it more than makes up for the Stallone version. But then invariably you get the one shit stirrer who's just gonna go, well, it's just basically the raid, right? And it's like, fuck you. I'm so sick of hearing that every time you bring up how Dread is a really good Only movie. Only to the extent that it, that it yeah. takes place in a yeah. building. And, it, and, <laughs> and, I'm, and then I'm like, I'm so tired of this argument. It's like, well, yeah, oh, it's only Die Hard. Oh, it's only Game of yeah. Death. It's like, it's not like this is a new idea, putting your hero in a locked <laughs> environment and fighting his fucking way out. It's just, but everybody brings up the raid because it came out almost at the same time. And I think that's also why this sort yeah. of got dusted off to the side a little bit because it was so similar yeah i can see that the raid and or the to geeks. actually to some yeah. degree to some degree daredevil mm-hmm. on netflix right because there was this there there was this moment where you had all of these like and and the raid especially because they had that um that new generation of martial right. artists doing cool new martial arty stuff and the action in dread is not it's old school kinematic in it, that way it's, it's old school man it's dudes with yeah. guns right yeah and 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 i think by that's where it suffers by comparison and even like i said suffers against like the hallway fight and daredevil which was also kind of a big deal in that yeah. moment it's it's people aren't as as wowed by gunfights as they are by martial art well, fights I, and but that may have worked well, I think where, where this one actually, though, sort of makes the case is because it's that future world. And so he's got the one gun that has like five modes and you can change it at will. So you've got like the high explosives, you've got yeah. the stun, you've got the thing. That's cool. And it's, you know, and he's constantly talking to his gun to tell it what to do. Uh they're DNA handprinted, so the Anderson gets out of a jam because the the guy tries to shoot her with the judge's gun. My only beef with this entire sequence is the fact that if you understand this world and you know what judges are, you should already know that there's no way you're going to use their gun against them. Well, but you should have your own yeah, gun, yeah. and you should well, have shot yeah, yeah. her like a half hour ago oh, when you were told you to. But also, anyway. 5% of the crimes. Yeah, that's know, true. 5% that's true. of the crimes... And all of the crimes that a judge shows up for, they die. Yeah, yeah. It's not like there's any witnesses. <laughs> That's to. fair. Okay. I got you. What I wonder about is like, so yeah, in, in the post-apocalypse, they have, uh, they have technology that beats what we have now, and we've got an entire world of industry. Yeah. But- yeah, that's neither. Well, here but there. you figure Mega City One is basically the entire Eastern Seaboard. I mean, it's just you know, it it I can't t- I can't tell if it like Neuromancer borrowed from it or if it borrowed from Neuromancer to that degree. But it's that just idea of a of a future urban hellscape that's just so large. You know I what mean, I mean? Escape from L.A. Yeah, I don't know. Escape from yeah. New York. Um, so I guess that was after. Well, Dread hit the comments, yeah. but I mean, you go, you go to Los Angeles and it's the urban sprawl yeah, yeah. of doom or Atlanta or whatever. So it's you know. just, so it's just interesting anyway. that you bring that because the the whole reason I love the character of Judge Dread is because it's so quietly influential yet so largely uh, unknown outside of the geek culture for some reason. It's sort of like one of those early like seminal punk bands like the New York Dolls or something where 
everybody knows the stuff and sees what happens later when people start borrowing from it or like Blade Runner and that kind of thing. But nobody can really register what it is specifically unless they're aware of it and are fans of it. You know what I mean? I I mean, it's kind of off-putting. I I mean, even as a kid looking at comic book covers or whatever, right? Like Judge Dredd, first of all, the name looks stupid because it looks like a bad (laughs) pun, right? And you got just kind of a dude in centurion armor, more or less. You know, they they basically make the hero look like a shock trooper. It it does have the stink of just like too much testosterone. Yeah. Well, that's and, the whole and, point, and that's judging the book by its but cover it's, by but a it's lot. The whole point. And I know yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, but but it yeah it it doesn't it. I don't think Judge Dredd has a hook that pulls people in. I think if you're a teenage um, boy, it definitely hooks you. And pulls you in. If you have any sort of well, you have to be in me. the comic book shop looking yeah, at yeah, it yeah. though to understand. Oh, this is my this is the yeah. jam. But yeah, for anybody looking for a movie to watch this weekend, well, there's that comic book movie thing, and <laughs> there's Julia Roberts eating and praying or whatever. Yeah. And then there's like 37 <laughs> Marvel movies that all look the same. <laughs> you can shoot. That's through. probably the other part of it too. You can't bring a date to the movie where uh, Carl Urban beats the fuck out of people yeah. for 90 minutes. Well, well, yeah. I like the. It's not. I like that you movie. you brought up the way that the character looks, though, Brian, because uh, the original artist who created him, Carlos Esquera, uh, when he came up with the original drawings, like the publisher fucking hated. Like his colleagues just said, "No, he looks like a, a fucking Spanish pirate. You can't fucking do this," because he just had all this like ornate <laughs> stuff all over him with the big shoulder pads, like metal thing, and the eagle on his on his arm, and the whole nine yards. I mean, it's a ridiculous looking character. By far, he he yeah. I mean, he looks like who was the character in the heavy metal movie who you know uh, has an angle and you know with the big square oh, yeah, jaw. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, you know, he just he's just that kind. He's like Sergeant Rock from the future. He's just <laughs> yeah. no, you know, no. His costume though, his costume makes him look like a building. Yeah, it makes him look like a Department of Justice there building. Like he is the entire soup to nuts. Uh, Justice Department on a motorcycle. Right, right. That's what I think is so wild mm. about that costume. I mean, he's even got a uh, a, a hood ornament for Christ's yeah. sake. Well, I like the fact that that, uh, <laughs> that he he was he's still to this day one of like the biggest characters for that whole comic magazine. Uh, and so he's got a large legacy. But <laughs> but what kills me is that uh, the the little known. Uh, parody of Judge Dredd called Martial Law. Are you familiar with this one at all? Which is basically they no. it's like the DC version oh, of boy. like uh a Marvel character or like Marvel taking over Batman and doing their own take, but it's essentially the same thing. It's just this like dude with like barbed wire in his arms and stuff like that, and he's just the super cop that just kills everybody. <laughs> and it's literally them just making fun of Judge Dredd, who makes fun of literally everything going on <laughs> with government and culture. <laughs> it's just this weird snake eating its own tail sort of thing, but it always makes me laugh because it's just so... Like, you think Judge Dredd is over the top? Martial law is like three times out there because they're just making fun of it all. It's like... Yeah, it's just beyond. But that's what I always sort of fall back in on. Uh, but when you look at the legacy, <laughs> all right. uh, the last thing to just touch on is the... Uh, the stuff that sort of comes out of it, 
and we were talking about earlier the anthrax song uh i am the law i guess it is uh i can't remember i can't remember the name because i'm not an anthrax fan uh but i am the law that is the song but if you look there's a documentary uh about 2000 ad and the history of the character and whatnot and scott ian is all over that and the whole i think the only thing I can figure out is the whole reason he's in there being a talking head is because he was in a band that wrote a song about Judge Dredd called I Am The Law. It's just like so ridiculous. <laughs> and then uh, as a parting yeah. shot, the the band Screaming Blue Messiahs on their third album uh, have a song called Mega City One, which is just that like singing I Am The Law, I'm The Judge Top Gun, blah, 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 Mega City One. And it's just like that's the song. It's like this big giant drum riff in the whole nine yards and it's just and i think that was around the time that i started clicking into what judge dread was all about uh, so it caught me late late teens. well screaming blue messiahs are gonna play us out so then. there you go <laughs> so <laughs> if you uh if you like the show subscribe to it rate it on your podcast app of choice uh share it with your friends on your social media feeds and if if you want to find our back episodes or find ways to reach out to us, go to our website. It's maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Uh, there you'll find our Twitter, which is at maghuge. I don't know why we're still on Twitter. I don't think we have a blue check-in. Never <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, why are we on, and, why are we on uh, Facebook? There's a Facebook. And, yeah. and, 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 you know yeah. the drill, people. Do the podcast thing. We'll see you next week.